0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Liberty Lockdown. This is Clint Russell. This is episode 300. My goodness. My goodness. Pretty special. And it's all thanks to you guys. I would not be doing this if no one was listening. I promise you that. And we are doing like 20K an episode. Crazy. And this one will probably exceed that, if not be the most listened to episode I've ever done, because it is, as far as I know, the first lengthy sit-down interview largely about dave smith's decision not to run for president under the lp banner you guys already know my relationship to him he's a good friend of mine and uh i just wanted to allow him to explain himself lay out lay out all of his reasoning and uh and for me to be able to ask some questions of him so i can think about what this movement is doing moving forward and you know what i should be doing and everything else so it's uh, it's a good one. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Please, as the banner beneath says, like, comment, and leave a subscription smasherini uh, right there. And then most importantly, share the show. Because that is the best way to help podcasts grow. When you share the show. Uh, I just got back from Top Lobster Ranch. As you can tell, we got some new Liberty Lockdown shirts with that Lakers font. Uh, as a Lakers fan myself, I love them. If you're a Celtics fan, get one anyways because you're cool like that. Uh, (laughs) And I I wanted to thank our new sponsor, which is Nadeau Shave Company. After years of following the standard Navy protocol, the owner of Nadeau finally found a shaving technique that successfully limited the occurrence of razor burn, ingrown hairs, folliculitis, and prevented the pre-mentioned PFB, traditional double-edged safety razor big shave has been psyoping the american people for decades plastic cartridge razors are a scam they jack your face up and cost too much you don't need expensive replacement cartridges you only need one stainless steel blade take down big shave and shave plastic free this is a veteran owned and family operated company all you got to do is go to nado that is n-a-d eau co.com use promo code lockdown for a special discount for my audience again that is n a d e a u s h a v e co.com and uh without further ado I'm going to start this interview up but first I want to show you I ain't playing son nicest razor I ever done seen nado shave company get you one today Support Liberty Lockdown, and support your face with Nadeau. You will not be disappointed. Enjoy the rest of the episode with the great, the legendary, the brilliant man who just released a 30-minute new stand-up special that you can find over on his YouTube channel. It is doing great numbers. I think 150,000 people have already watched it in a few days. I'm sure it's going to continue to grow from there, but I hope you guys will go check it out, and I'm going to link to it in the description so as soon as you're done with this interview go watch dave be funny this will be you know serious maybe even sad at some points but then you can go be funny and enjoy your life because that's uh finding the balance in things anyways enjoy the show i'll see you guys soon welcome to liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go we are joined once again by the legend comic dave smith just back off of the road this man is traveling like a furious storm. Uh, you were just on Rogan. I thought it was one of your best performances ever. Uh, I Thank honestly, I, I feel that way. I feel that way pretty much every time I see you on there. So maybe I'm just biased. But um, how'd you feel like it went?
1: Um, you know, I never really know. It's kind of weird. Like I've I've had. I've had some where, like, at the end, I'm like, all right, I'm really glad I got to say that part or I got to say that thing. But it's a weird thing. You know, you kind of you go into this room and it's got like a big they got like a big door, you know, that's like soundproofing, kind of feels like a bank vault type door. And you just get sucked into the Joe Rogan (laughs) experience, you know. And then when it's over, I never know how long we did. You know, I'm always like, was that? did we just do two hours was that was was, like did we not go as long this time or something and then you're like oh no it was four hours you're in there for and so it's kind of bizarre but i felt good about it afterward i'm really me and him have like become good friends so it's a lot it's a lot less nerve-wracking than it used to be this was my uh i think my 10th time on the podcast two with legion of skanks and i think this was my eighth solo so it's kind of like Incredible. you know, I get up for it. It's exciting. It's like an exciting feeling when you're on and you're on that big of a stage. Um, but it was it was great. But he's he the doesn't man. make you nervous, huh?
0: I was saying like you still get up for it because you know 10 million plus people are gonna watch it, but like he doesn't make you nervous anymore, I would imagine.
1: No, 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 no. Like I'm I'm comfortable. We've talked so much like off air too at this point that I'm kind of like I'm comfortable with him, like you know, he's my guy um but uh but yeah you're always like okay this is the fucking big one you know um but i was excited i was excited to talk about some of the stuff i kind of knew um because the stuff with the trump indictments is so big in the news like i i knew we were probably going to talk about that a lot and i was like all right yeah let's do it let's talk the whole like russia collusion hoax and all that shit so i was i was excited to talk about that stuff
0: yeah you crushed it dude i i I marvel at your recall ability. I wish I had it as as down as you do. I mean, like there's certain topics I can do that on, but you you have a very vast uh, repertoire. So I'm working on adding to that. Um, before I get into the uh, the you know topic du jour, which I I assume my audience would like to hear, uh, you know more of an explanation from you as to your decision not to run uh, under the LP banner. But um, before I do that, I do want to talk briefly about uh, the well, actually. Do you do you want to address the the Scott Horton uh shot that was fired yesterday or or no?
1: Um,
0: I mean I don't know I'll cut I don't really... I'll, I'll cut this. This isn't live. I'll cut this. So.
1: Uh I I Scott Scott is um we're very lucky to have Scott in this movement and he's an unbelievable talent and um one of the most brilliant human beings I've ever met and I I wish him nothing but the best.
0: Okay. Oh, we'll leave it there yeah uh, very very respectful and uh yeah i, I love the guy too so <laughs> we'll just move right past that all right so we got the mugshot uh donald trump has uh been indicted a, a tremendous amount of times he's facing over 700 years uh in prison if he were to be that was a very uh, trumpian on...
1: a very trumpian way to describe it a tremendous amount of indictments that is true <laughs> everything he does is tremendous
0: the the biggest the best the most beautiful indictments um yeah it <laughs> He's also now got the biggest, best, and most beautiful mugshot uh, that has he he tweeted for the first time or he Xed for the first time in many years, um, and it seems as if this is, you know, I you're always really good at reflecting on you know what the big picture is of something, and I think oftentimes people get caught up in the the minutia of the day to day. This does feel like a, a real tipping point, you know, to have a have a mugshot of a of a former president who's the number one contender for the presidency uh it's pretty wild particularly given that he's accused of things that many of his uh his challengers have all been guilty of themselves if not worse um what what's your takeaway as to like where where does this leave you know the american people
1: well yeah okay so i mean i don't really think i have to like make too devastating of a case to convince uh your audience that this is clearly the you know the political weaponization of the legal system against Donald Trump. I mean, it's not like, you know, I I think I made the case as as much as I could on Rogan's show, because I still feel with that audience, like you guys may not be sold on this yet, but with you guys, it's like, yeah, all of these indictments aren't coming out right now coincidentally. You know what I mean? Like it's not everybody else who was indicted for something related to January 6th or the 2020, anything in 2020 is already there. Half of them, their sentences are up already. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're out at this point. So, Right. This is all clearly very political, and there is there was a um, a tremendous desire to get a mugshot on Donald Trump. I played on my last podcast a clip of uh, um, Donnie Deutsch, the guy at MSNBC, who was mm. openly saying this. Like, we just want to get a mugshot picture of him because then that will follow him everywhere he goes. And Donald Trump has this uncanny ability to, to play political judo. Like from from day one, it's unbelievable how many things they throw at him that they're like, this is the thing that traditionally sinks a, a political campaign. And then somehow he's able to flip it. And I thought, you know, the face that he made in that mugshot and then him owning it and tweeting it out, it was like so Trump. And I thought I I never really saw it coming that he would make that type of like, you know, like I thought maybe (laughs) he would smile because that's how like people try to seem unaffected by it. Like I'm above all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, But this was like it it was a serious. Like strategically, he's got this next level of genius where it was like, no, we're going to use this as like like this is a declaration of war. And we're you know what I mean? Like and we're at war now um in what, terms what of, i
0: saw what i saw sure. in that scowl was he first off he thought about that a lot i promise you that and and second off when he got in there he's like i'm going to reflect the energy of my constituency with this photograph and he just yeah. like that's the face that's the that's the anim- animosity that exists within his base it was brilliant
1: yeah i mean i think he might have won the nomination with that face like it's unbelievable <laughs> it's just incredible to watch um and uh he, you know, short of them them somehow taking him out of the race, which seems like that's got to be their move now. It seems like you can't go this far without just straight up because all of this is just gonna help him politically. So at this point, mm-hmm. it's like he's got to be taken out one way or the other, um, which is kind of crazy to think about. In terms of like the historic significance of it, I mean, it's like you can't overstate it. the The former president of the United States, um, the front runner for the Republican nomination, it, who looks to be in a very strong position in the general election, has is just, they've decided, well, we can't beat this guy politically or we can't risk going up against this guy politically. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to weaponize the legal system against him. There's a lot of shit that America has done. A lot of really awful shit. Far worse things that we've done. You know, started wars and, you know, had terrible programs and, you know, all types of things that we talk about all the time. But this is different. We've never done this before. This is something out of like third world countries. Like we don't do this in America. We may compromise presidents. They may like box presidents in, they may undermine presidents, but to just go like, we are going to throw the book at him and we're going to do everything we can to incarcerate him. Uh, all under like novel legal theories. You know what I mean? Not one not one of these charges is anything you can look at and say like, well, listen, this is a blatant violation of the law. Uh, we were in a situation right. where we couldn't not bring charges. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like oh, if someone like murdered someone and it's on video or something. You're like, well, we can't not charge them. I mean, we have a law against this and he broke the law. Not one of these cases is that. All of these cases are like, prosec- at best, prosecutorial discretion you know what i mean like they could Mm. not do this if they didn't want to do it um so it's of course it's wild to see and and i think we're kind of we're kind of past the point of no return in terms of uh the entire base of trump supporters will that's it i mean they're the the institutions have you know pulled the curtain and said yeah we're not we're not pretending to be neutral we're not we are here with an agenda and our agenda is to ruin your guy and so i don't think they'll ever gain back you know the trust that all the kind of corporate talking heads are always talking about i think from our perspective that that you know there's a solid argument to make that that's a good thing we don't want people to be trusting these institutions but the toothpaste is out of the tube as far as i can
0: tell yeah i i agree with your assessment um and I think it, there's something really profound about you know how we're we're arguing about how we have to risk World War III with Russia to defend democracy in Ukraine, and we're simultaneously you know arresting on pretty fraudulent charges our political opponents. Uh, it's like, well, who's the communist nation here? You know, I like I, I always I always make this point. Like Putin's not a good guy. I think it's highly probable that he assassinated uh, uh, Prozorin or whatever his name was. Um, you know, like, but what's what's the difference like we we do it through judicial means they do it through extrajudicial ones like it 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 really is getting to a point where i don't feel that the uh you know or the moral high ground that i once perceived america to stand on seems to have really been shattered in recent memory
1: yeah yeah no that's for sure and you know perhaps it never existed to begin with i mean I, i do think you can make an argument that the american government is not as brutal with its own citizens as some other governments are with theirs and not just make the argument, but that's clearly true, right? Like there's our government is not as brutal to us as as many other uh, authoritarian governments are. But if you look at what we do to the rest of the world, we're the worst by far. Like there's not even any close second. Um, And Mm -hmm. you know, I I think things like, when the elites talk about democracy, if you just recognize that what they mean is empire, it, everything makes a lot more sense. So it, when they say democracy, <laughs> yes. they just mean the rules-based international liberal order or whatever. You know what I mean? They mean America dominating the entire world, and they, they mean those people maintaining their control. So once you like replace that for democracy, everything they say makes complete sense. So we're going to war uh, in in Ukraine to save democracy, and we're making sure Donald Trump can't win to save democracy, and then it all makes sense. It's like Mm -hmm. as soon as you like, it's it's like when they talk about um, you know Iran being a threat or you know Hezbollah being a threat or something like that. It's like no, they're they're not actually lying. They're just talking about something different than what most Americans think they're talking about. So they're not saying like. If, if me or you were to look at them when they say, like, Iran is a threat, we'd be like, but that's ridiculous. Iran is no threat to the United States of America because we're thinking of the geographical mass that encompasses, you know, Mexico to Canada in, in the middle of North America. And, like, there's no, there are no threat right. to them. But if, like, you're like, oh, are they a threat to the American empire's ability to control Iran – then like, yeah, they kind of are. They are kind of a threat to us. Like, we can't control that country because of this government there. And Hezbollah is absolutely a threat to Israel's ability to occupy southern Lebanon. You know what I mean? Like, they really are a threat to them. So in a sense, they are a threat to the empire. And so that's how how you have to, like, kind of conceptualize these things to understand it.
0: Yeah, they're telling the truth, but it's just the words have different meanings. <laughs> you yep. know, it's like it's like they're they're actually telling you what they're doing, but they, they just don't like dem- democracy. Just doesn't mean what it used to, uh, and maybe it never did. But <laughs> um, I, I think there, there's an interesting uh, new development with the the BRICS nations have now opened up the door to uh, many new entrants. Uh, like four or five additional countries are are already seemingly on board. It looks as if you could have a true bipolar world order in the uh you know the monetary system uh it, i guess you could say it's multipolar if you include bitcoin and hard assets and things like that but um, in terms of the fiat competition it looks like there's going to be a, a showdown between the us dollar as well as the BRICS alliance plus many others i think in my humble estimation that is probably why we have taken such an antagonistic approach with both russia and china as of late Um, I think that they understand, even though they function from a Keynesian worldview, they still understand competition and supply and demand. And it's like, if the demand for the U.S. dollar decreases exponentially globally, well, that means that the supply of U.S. dollars in the U.S. increases exponentially as well. It ultimately means uh, a very severe threat in terms of hyperinflation or at least severe inflation. Um, I My fear, and I hope you can talk me off the ledge here, is I don't know how this Thucydides trap showdown doesn't result in some sort of hot conflict. Can it be avoided? Do you think it will be? I'm curious what your thoughts are.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that is the big question, right? Because it seems like it's it it seems very unlikely that the the uh, U.S. establishment would allow that to happen uh, without using violence. Uh, I, I guess maybe the hope here is that there we really are limited when it comes to Russia and China with how violent we can get. And even these psychopaths know that. Now, from our mm. perspective, they are coming way too close uh, to that. Like they're playing with such a risky game. But even they know we can't like just send special ops into Russia and try to like extract right. Putin or something like that. We can't invade Russia. Even they know that. Um, so they they are, I think, to some degree, boxed in, and they're going to have to use m- more of the, uh, you know, traditional means that like the CIA uses short of in a military invasion, you know, sponsoring colored revolutions, uh, sanctions, um, things lo- of that nature. It seems to me to be fairly inevitable that the unipolar moment is is over, and I don't think there's anything they can really do to stop that you know, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that the dollar, uh, hegemony is, is over, but the two are somewhat related. Right. And, um, sure. you know, the, the truth is that it seems, it seems pretty impossible that this, that we, we lose the dollar as the global reserve currency, and that doesn't result in some immediate pain for America. Uh, but I guess also the, The real bright side of it is just like, if you just think about what a disaster the unipolar moment was for this country, I mean, that's really what took us from being like the wealthiest country of all time and has brought us to our knees. Um, So it it definitely would be better for the world and probably better long term for America that we are moving in this direction. And I do think that it's just the hubris and stupidity of the, the Warhawks that has led to this, because obviously... If you really wanted to prevent this from happening, then you wouldn't be actively driving Russia and China into each other's arms, um, which is what the Ukraine policy has has objectively done.
0: Yeah, uh, and and that's been the one thing that you and I both agree with Vivek on. Um, you know, yeah. there, we've got many many disagreements otherwise, but uh, he he is very very succinct when he states that you know we are clearly driving Russia into the arms of the. CCP. And it's like, well, you just can't, you can't refute that point. It's obviously true. So, um,
1: well, you can still, you know, and you can still kind of like, you know, we, I think we have a different view than Vivek on, on some of this true. stuff where like, the, but the, you can still kind of rank them in how retarded <laughs> like they are. Like, <laughs> right, like right. I think our view is more like, well, we should be a city on a hill and we should set a good example and we should do our mm-hmm. best to make sure that we maintain a free society, which as we've seen is no small feat in itself let alone keeping no. a country 5,000 miles away free. Like, let's work on keeping our country free. And we've got a lot of work to do in that department. And that we just don't need to be the policemen of the world. And we don't need to get involved right. in these conflicts. And there's no the idea that we'll ever be like, you know, that we'll build up this military so powerful and then we'll still be so noble in solving these conflicts around the world. And the idea that they'll be disinterested and not doing it for their own purposes is, is goofy. Um, but then there's kind of like the... Uh, the like um, Kissinger type foreign policy, which is like, OK, you go uh to China and you meet with Mao Zedong and you open up trade relations with China so that you pull them toward you and away from Russia. And that's like like half right. You know what I mean? Like we like the China part, but there's no need to keep this Cold War going with the Soviet Union like that. So that part's bad. Right. But then there's the Joe Biden foreign policy, which is like, how about we flirt with nuclear war with both Russia and China? <laughs> how do you like that policy? You know, and you're like, oh, that is yeah. it's it does. There's not even like a strategic vision there. It's just insane. So that's Vivek yeah, is at you, least saying like, hey, like, let's be friendly with Russia to put pressure on China better than Biden, for sure.
0: Yeah, well, and as you said many times while you're on with Joe, it's like, can we just get fucking five years of no war Like, <laughs> at, at any point in my 40 years on this planet? Can I just have five years with peace? It's, it's really remarkable. Can I get six months? Is. And, and I think, can I, can I just yeah, give me six months. I mean, <laughs> we had, uh, we had a, a, a bit of a gap between Afghanistan and, and, uh, Ukraine, but it's like the, the military industrial complex stays fed. And I think your, your point about how, um, well, anyways I'm gonna I'm gonna transition into the, the next topic I, I think that uh, most people are, are most interested in, in hearing about your decision not to run um, I've already told you privately I, I fully support it and I think that um, you know doing what's best for your family is the most important thing but um, I'm sure there's many people that are, are disappointed out there and, and would like to I mean I've seen I've seen some some anger uh, you know directed towards you which uh, kind of caught me off guard I'm sure you feel similarly. Um so let's start with how you're feeling about it. Um, you know, and then kind of get into the backstory if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not I'm not, I wasn't really caught off guard by it. I kind of assumed that look, there'd be some people who are angry, there'd be people who are disappointed, there'd be people who get it and people who don't, you know. It's so I've, I it's it's about where I thought. I do, you know, I'm I'm uh tonight. Well, I guess when this comes out, this might be in the past, but I'm doing a Twitter spaces where I'll I'll take questions mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. And I I think I owe that to people. Oh, I perfect. think that uh You know, I think I have, um, I I think people have a right to be disappointed and people have a right to, um, to be frustrated. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. I will say this. It's a little bit interesting to see who is like angry and who isn't. At least I've noticed that a little bit. Like, it seems like, you know, there are like some of these, um, like hardcore Mises organizers who have put in like tons of time and effort and and all of this stuff and uh really wanted to see me run and almost all of them the the reaction is like dude family first i completely understand you know it'll be i'm a little disappointed Mm -hmm. but like i totally understand you have to do what's right for your family and then there'll be people who were like kind of always giving me shit like i see some people in like new hampshire who were always kind of giving me shit even back Mm -hmm. when i was I, i was like pretty sure i was gonna run who were like being very disrespectful of you now? Who are now like, oh yeah, you fucking traitor asshole or whatever? And you're like, oh, that's just kind of interesting. Uh, that's like the guys well, who it's are. Even,
0: like- it's even more weird. Be- it's it's more weird because these are the guys who say like national politics is a dead end and we don't need this. And it's like, well, <laughs> w- which is it?
1: Right. And and the same ones who I would like when I was like really thought I was, was gonna run, I'd be like, Hey, could you guys stop tweeting the N-word? Cause that's kind of putting an albatross around my <laughs> neck, you know? And they'd be like, Fuck you, dude. You don't tell us what to do here in New Hampshire. But now they're furious <laughs> that I'm not right. Re- so, you know, but look, I mean, the truth is, and, and I think you know this because me and you have talked, you know, privately about this stuff a lot, is that um look, I was I went from very seriously, begrudgingly considering uh running to all but having made up my mind that I was, and it's just kind of, you look, it's just what, like what I said in that post. And the truth is that's really the, the situation. It's just, as it got closer, uh, the time to get ready to do it. After a lot of long conversations with my wife, we just kind of came to the conclusion that it wasn't the right thing for our family. That has to be my first priority. Um, and, and so that's that. You know, that's kind of what that that always has to be my where my first loyalties lie is doing what's right for my family. And I hope, uh, you know, I hope people can understand that. I understand where people are disappointed. I'm a little bit disappointed. Um, You know, it's not the logistics of running for president and a lot of the sacrifices that necessary in order to do it. That was not something I was looking forward to. But I, I was excited about what I thought maybe we could do and how we could we could kick up some dust and really make some noise with this um you know it's it's just as i said so i understand the disappointment um but as i said my family has to come first and so that's just that is what it is
0: well uh, let me just say I, I mean i'm i'm one of the people in the disappointed camp i guess but it, it's <laughs> it's more just because i i have such faith in your ability to to galvanize the movement and, and really wake a lot more people up. But I, I, you know, as you've said many times, and as other people have pointed out, like, do we need him to be running for president to wake more people up? He's still reaching, you know, tens of millions of people per month. Like that's, that's powerful in its own right. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've now been foisted into the uncomfortable position of having many in our camp, uh, that as, as soon as you kind of hinted that it wasn't going to happen, I started to get dms and and texts and calls from people saying hey you got to do it you got to do it and and now i'm looking at it like like i got i got ron paul who was my you know obviously my hero and then you and and you know to even first off it's very very flattering that people are putting me in that lineage at all i'm like i'm blown away by it um but at the same time i'm looking at you and i'm like i'm like man I can't do it as well as Dave, so like, why the fuck would I do this? <laughs> you know, so it now puts me in the awkward position of feeling like, um, even if I were to do it just for the for the cause, because I don't have a family, obviously. Um, well, I mean, I have family, but not a family. Uh, it's like if i if i i feel like i would i would let like even if i did a good job i would still let people down because they would be like dave would have said it like this you know dave would have done it like that and i'm like damn man i don't know so well
1: i know what you mean and and i i appreciate the the nice words and like i know what you mean it's there is something very flattering about it and a little bit surreal it's this has always kind of been how i've felt that so many people want wanted me to do it you know and it's like i feel the same way you do like in my mind i'm like me like, I'm not supposed to be that guy. I'm like, I'm the guy who talks shit on podcasts. Like, I'm not fucking Ron <laughs> Paul, you know? Um, but it's also not like, you know, the the question is, there's a lot, uh, there's a reason why a lot of people, like, think of you. You know what I mean? And go like, oh, yeah, Clint, you should do it because you'd be so great because you're really talented at this, man. And you're really one of the best messengers we have. Um, and I don't think you should even, Thank like. You. I don't think you should think of it like comparing to me or what, you know what I mean? Cause that's like comparing to a hypothetical that never even happened. It'd be more like, I don't know, Mm. compared to Joe Jorgensen, how do you think you'd do? And like, yeah, you would do a much better job than she would, you know? And so, and of course, like always, I'm not saying like, I don't, it's not about vote total or fundraising or anything like that. It's just the point of running for president as a libertarian, which is like to, to spread the message, to shock people out of their current way of thinking. And, um, so I think you'd be a great candidate. I think um, I I I would love it. You got my support, brother. If you want to fucking do it.
0: Well, well, thank you, man. I, that obviously means the means the world to me, to be honest. But uh, you know, it, it's so surreal because I had um, Daniel McAdams read off one of my tweets to Ron Paul on I air saw that. on the the yeah the Liberty Report a couple of days ago, and I'm like I'm like, just my life is so ridiculously surreal. I, I think people really don't like keep in mind like three years ago I was an entrepreneur like I I had nothing to do with this like nothing zero to do with it and now to be um you know have the entire like Mises Caucus and and many in the LP National that are like hey it's you (laughs) you know I'm like I'm like dude this is fucking nuts I've never even ran for for office on any level um and you want me to go straight to the highest one like this is so so bizarre but um yeah, I think I think that ultimately, um, you know, a lot of the disappointment and and hopefully the anger will subside, and they'll realize like, you know, Dave wasn't going to be the president anyway. So it's like, can we can we at least agree that that the efforts he's put in for the movement ha- have been a net positive, and that he will continue to spread the message as well as anybody out there? It's it's uh, it's fascinating to me that you know people are are so. I mean, it's just kind of symbolic of the desperation that I think a lot of us are feeling. You know, we're we're feeling very powerless in this system, and I, I don't blame people for feeling that way. But I want to kind of transition that into a lot of a lot of optimism because you have the incredible you know viral sensation that was Oliver Anthony's uh, "Rich Men North of Richmond" song, and then you also have the the rise of Javier Malay and looking like he's the favorite to be the the president of Argentina. And man, is he a fiery speaker! I wish he spoke English so I can actually play it for my audience. But yeah, um, I'll, I'll just encourage people to to go watch it because you got to read the subtitles if you don't speak Spanish. This dude is like he's like Donald Trump and and Ron Paul had a baby. Like this kid is out of his mind, uh, fiery, and and it I, it just gives me a lot of hope that like there's there is a, a an evident. Populist desire for someone that speaks to the plight of the everyman in opposition to the establishment, and and now we actually have a guy who really has your and I's belief system you know, calls himself an anarcho capitalist. I, as far as I know, there's never been an ANCAP that was a president of any country. Um, how can people not look at that and and find some optimism?
1: Well, it's something too, there's something that only like I don't know, man. And like, I love libertarians. I love the ideas of libertarianism so much. I think they're so beautiful and just correct and the keys to a better world. Um, And I love libertarians, but man do we have an ability to almost like nitpick and purity spiral away anything like i literally saw people on yeah. online who are like well he's not for open borders or something and you're like jesus christ dude right. like this guy is like looks like he might actually win and his whole platform is taking axe to everything government you're like that's that's pretty mm-hmm. good right like let's That's, you know, um, but it's like unbelievable that they'd be like, yeah, well, he said this one thing on his one policy isn't purely anarcho-capitalist or from their perspective or whatever. But no, that's that's like pretty amazing. And yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, I ended up talking uh, about uh, Richmond, North of Richmond with Rogan a bunch like it just kept coming up in, in the show. And there's something the song was so powerful and there were so I think, you know, there were a lot of like great lines in it. But uh the the to me, the the best line in all of it was um was they don't think you know, but I know that you do. And that was like the thing yes. that really like hit home to me. And that it's part of the reason why the thing blows up and all of a sudden it's like close to I think across platforms, like a hundred million views or something like that. And then it's like at the top of Billboard. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. And there is like there we're in a new world and that there's, that's scary. It's scary to be in a new world. But there's also like this unbelievable mm. potential of it where it is so it is so much more common knowledge now. Not that not just that like a government policy was a failure or something like that, but that the people implementing them are evil, you know, like that these mm. are people who would be protecting a child rapist ring. And not even care about bringing those people guilty in it to justice, not even like have any interest in it, in fact, willing to dead the story, you know, Um, and that, you know, the fact that people know that so much, I mean, not everyone, but so many more people are like, understand this and are furious about it. And then the fact that, you know, if you just look at like what we have now that we didn't have back then, and, and this is where I think libertarians, particularly in the libertarian party, like, One of the things that I've always tried to encourage them is to do is like, look, we have to like participate in this world that we live in. We can't be here to like, oh, we want to go off into our own little corner and all be like agreeing with each other. We have to like participate in the moment that we're in. And I think sometimes this is why I I rubbed a lot of people the wrong way when I – um, endorsed Blake Masters and stuff like that, or when I talk positively about mm-hmm. RFK Jr. or Vivek Ramaswamy or something like that, and it's like, no, dude, like I'm, I don't see my role here as like, let me go be the most popular guy at every LP convention. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm right. trying to get on the biggest platforms in the world and put our ideas at the forefront of this kind of like populist, anti-statist moment that we're living through, and exact th- same. To- You know, like that, that should be the goal. And you, you realize just that like there, there is say like when we were going, when, when the war drums were beating in 2002 to push us into the war in Iraq. So it, it, th- we went to war in Iraq in 2003, but all of 2002 was just steady war propaganda every day. You know, a new thing about how the CIA says they have these weapons and it looks like they were in bed with uh, uh, with Osama bin Laden and had something to do with 9-11 and all the, these lies. Um, but the whole time there, like the biggest people in, in media were all just pushing the agenda, you know? But today, like we have Joe Rogan and Tucker Carlson at, are the biggest figures in media, you know? And they're all like completely opposed to the propaganda of the regime. And then we we have, after that, we have like all of us, you know, like like just thousands of all of us right. who are also out there pushing back against the regime. And so like, it's a new era, it's scary what they wanna do to us, but we're, we also have these tools that we never could have dreamed of having just 20 years ago 15 years ago 10 years ago and so like you know I don't know like if you were watching a movie and that was the plot would you go well i I want my character to be the guy who's like really pessimistic you know what I mean or would you be like oh I want I want my character to be the right. guy who like rises to the challenge and and we win and that's one of the things that this mealy guy is just like almost kind of like woke a lot of people up to the idea of like, wait, we, we could win. I mean, if they can win there, why can't we win? Like, you know, it's not going to be easy. It may not happen tomorrow, but like this whole thing can be defeated.
0: Well, and so, so much of winning is belief. Like you have to believe because like the, the, the primary reason people vote for the duopoly is because they don't have any belief that a third party candidate could ever win. Like if you, if you just have that, you know, mental framework shift amongst the broader population, well, then it actually changes in reality, but you, it has to be very far reaching. But to your point, you got Tim pool, you got Patrick, Bet David, it's like, and, and those, I mean, those are fractions of what Rogan does and what Tucker Carlson do, but they're, you know, you're a fraction of them and I'm a fraction of you. And it's like, but you add all of this up and it's like, this is enormous. This is absolutely enormous. The the impact that we're having, and you can tell it because a song like from Oliver Anthony catches so much fire. It's like people people are starting to tune out from the corporate narrative, and they are starting to listen and and more importantly feel it in their day to day lives. Um, but the 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 real evidence that this works, that this decentralized uh, you know media attack strategy is is functioning at a very high level, is. RFK Jr., who's out there questioning the, the very, the, the holy vaccine, uh, you know, industry. He's, he's also written one of the most damning books against any public figure I've ever read in, uh, you know, the Anthony Fauci takedown. Um, he's also, incredibly gifted on giving the counter narrative from the, the NATO expansion and, and the real yeah. provocations that led up to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Uh, and then on the flip side of that, you have Vivek Ramaswamy, who's taking an ac- absolute sledgehammer to the DEI ESG framework. And and both of these guys, I mean, you know, you've had both of them on your show. I've had Vivek on my show. I've already applied to see if I can get RFK on. It's like, these guys are doing all of this primarily through alternative media avenues and and like that is just like the the entire control control structure for narrative is crumbling in real time and i mean we we watch it every single day it's it's just incredibly powerful and I, I don't know if I'm, I'm just basically imploring those that are, that are really pessimistic to, to realize what an opportunity that is and, and realize that that window of opportunity may be narrow because the people in positions of power are going to do everything they possibly can to try and close off those pathways. But right now we have a pretty good gap to run through. So I'm, I'm optimistic ultimately.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because it's um, in many ways, they're kind of proving us correct about a lot of the things we were talking about with the Mises Caucus and and the takeover of the Libertarian Party where we were like, yo, I mean, I know I understand historically people have said running a candidate on the Libertarian Party for president is like, oh, a waste of time or whatever, because you you might as well run as a Democrat or Republican. But we were all like, yeah, but no, there's a new landscape now. And you can see that where look at the Mm -hmm. presidential debates the other day. I mean, Vivek, uh, aside from just being much better than everybody else up there, He was – they're all attacking him. It was really crazy to see. It's crazy that you have, like, the former vice president and the biggest, like, uh, Republican governor in the country in the center uh, uh, there, and everyone's going after this skinny Indian dude who is a complete newcomer to this because (laughs) he's the one who's kind of using this alternative media platform and is saying things that that the donors don't like. Um, and and with the RFK as well. I mean, he's kicking up all this this dust by going on podcasts. And so, look, I mean, I know there there are maybe people who are disappointed that I'm not doing it, but I, I would say like, let's not give up on this opportunity. We took over the third biggest party. We can still get a really good candidate up there, whether that's you or somebody else. There's a few options um, out there, and like, let's get someone up there who's talking all this shit, but then just being good on the stuff that Favek and RFK aren't that good on. Like they, but, you know, yeah. what's interesting about them that I think we should kind of like be heartened by is that all the stuff that they're really blowing up on and really getting, is the stuff they're good on. Like that, it, it's all the stuff that is completely in line with libertarianism. And exactly. it's, it's you know, it's like, okay, so why don't we put somebody up there who's going to do all of that? Plus be good on on China. Or on Israel, or whatever their their weaknesses are, or, or you know? not
0: not have a not have a terrible economic uh, perspective like RFK. It's like yeah, yeah, I could I couldn't agree more. But like when you just take take all of these disparate pieces of of candidates that are out there right now, we have never in my lifetime for sure we have never had this many like truth telling options. I'm not saying that these guys are the real deal. I'm not saying they they would actually rule in the fashion that they have they have campaigned upon, but I'm just saying in terms of rhetoric, my god, what a time to be alive, man. Like you you have you have uh probably if if it weren't for the, you know, uh DNC's ability to rig the system, I think RFK would almost certainly win the nomination. Uh, honestly, I do. Uh and and he's out there like saying his dad was assassinated by the cia and his and his uncle was too and it's like and then he's also laying out basically it could be you or i could say it or scott horton could say it when it comes to the the lead up to the war in ukraine like he's he's just as good almost as good as as we are on it so it's a it's amazing that we have that option then vivek is really really phenomenal on uh, you know, the FBI corruption, January 6th, 9-11 even. Like, he's he's talking things that you just are total third rails. Like, you just can't ever possibly mention these things. And, yes, they're not Ron Paul. You know, like, yes, we should have nominated Ron Paul. And, yes, he should have been the president in 08 and 12. Yes, okay, 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 okay. But in terms of guys that are actually polling, you know, 20-plus percent, I've just I've never seen I've never seen options out there that are even giving us ten percent of the truth, and these guys feel like they're giving us sixty percent. So, I I think that's a, a positive sign. Yeah,
1: no, I completely agree. And the fact that there's a home for that message, you know, that that message is resonating is really something we should be encouraged by. Mm-hmm. And you know, look, obviously RFK Junior. is not as good as Ron Paul, um, but it is the The parallels between the two campaigns are really striking to me, and I've felt that way for, since the beginning, because he's essentially look, if you if you looked at Joe Biden's um, uh, reign, and you you had to say what were the two biggest policies that he went all in on? Like this is what my administration stands for. I think it undeniably be the number one was the first uh, the first year, uh, the first two years he was in. Um, was we got to get this jab in as many arms as possible and that's by whatever whatever uh, you know like uh, instruments are at my disposal we have to use to get people vaccinated whether that's forcing them to do it whether that's uh making sure they lose their jobs if they don't do that i mean some of these things were deemed unconstitutional like the OSHA stuff but You know, we we have to push the vaccine every day, demonize the unvaccinated every single day. Say this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. You're a bad person if you don't get this. Try to put as much pressure both, you know, um, you know, just through demonization and through coercion as possible to get people vaccinated. And then the other policy. Um, which came in 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 2022, was that we have to fund Ukraine till the end of time, that we must support this war, (laughs) and that the number one priority is that we are all in and making sure Ukraine wins, whatever exactly that means. And here's RFK Jr. running in the same political party, who is uh, just the most stark repudiation of both of those policies, you know? And it's, it's an incredible thing. The only other thing I can compare it to is Ron Paul, who was running in George W. Bush's, mm-hmm. you know, Republican primary as a complete repudiation of everything George W. Bush uh, had uh, had stood for. And so to see him doing that and gaining success and gaining traction, it it really shows you that, like, whoa, like maybe this whole thing can be flipped on its head. And I mean, if you look at where, you know, it's, it's it, mm-hmm. one of the things that was really interesting about watching that Republican debate the other night was that. You see these people like Nikki Haley and Mike Pence and and Chris Christie and all their kind of talking points about Ukraine. Well, you just want to hand Ukraine to Russia and we have to support if you're a good person, you have to support that. And all this stuff. I'm like, I remember a time when that would resonate with Republican voters. And now you're just looking at them and you're like, you're done. You're dead in the water. Can't possibly be the nominee. But even even DeSantis is smart enough to not say that. Now, he won't come out against it. But he knows, like, I can't say that because if I say that, I'm done because that's just not where that party is anymore. But it started with Ron Paul being the first one against this stuff and then getting some traction. And now the entire base of the Republican Party is against that. And you never know. I mean... It's easy to write off the Democrats now, but maybe there will be another flip there, you know? I know people always say, oh, I'm bringing up ancient history when I talk about, you know, 20 years ago when the Democratic base of of, of voters was much better than the Republican voters were, and that all got flipped, you know? And maybe the Democrats could get flipped now. Maybe RFK is planting seeds that by the next election, it's gonna have to be someone who's saying the type of shit that he's saying
0: in order to win. Yeah, well, and I think that this kind of just really proves definitively that donald trump was not the disease he was uh, you know a symptom of it um and because the same style of messaging uh, once again whether or not any of these people deliver on their promises just as trump didn't deliver on many of his because he was undermined every step of the way and could and everything else and maybe he wasn't a true believer who knows um but you have more and more heads of this uh, dissident hydra are arrive are, are arising you know you have you have vivek you have trump you have rfk you have whoever the libertarians runs you have the javier Malays of the world you have these uh these incredible speakers i forget her name uh i can't remember her name but she's she does these incredible monologues she's in the um like european uh whatever their institutions are I can't yeah
1: remember, i know you're talking uh, about I'm the sorry. european oh, parliament lady yeah, yeah yeah she's give the great speeches she's, on ukraine yeah, and stuff I, I don't remember her name either yeah
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but you just have, and these, and all of these clips, like they go fucking crazy viral, bro, like crazy viral. And, and you have, and then you, you go and you look over at like the New York times or the CNN's Twitter account. And it's like, everything they put out is ratioed. It's, it's just like, no one gives a fuck what these people have to say. It's all, it's all us now. Like it's all our people. Like I know most of the people that are, that, you know, are really shifting the cultural zeitgeist in real time. And And i'm just you know i i just it it weirds me out that we have all of this incredible progress and reason for hope and yet people are still seem to be uh with completely hopeless and it it, i i I struggle to relate to it just because i i guess maybe it's because i've been uh you know awoke (laughs) or awakened since Mm -hmm. uh the 2000s and and you know you you and i have kind of we witnessed the probably the worst era in terms of like complete psychological c- control of the American people as they advocated on behalf of really egregious criminal invasions of multiple nations that had nothing to do with 9-11 and you're like no no that's when i was hopeless i was hopeless when we were going and bombing all these people that had nothing to do with the attack on 9-11 and i and the american people were as pumped and as unified on that matter as they have ever been on anything in my lifetime that is when i was hopeless now and also now i am not hopeless
1: and, and and specifically because it was uh that it was the Republicans who were so gung ho about doing it. And I don't even mean the politicians, just like the voters, you know, that's like, oh, the people who right, say they care right. about the Constitution and liberty and free markets and all that. They're they're the ones who are all on board with this. And like, what do I even who do I have to talk to It's like, I guess this is kind of good on this stuff. And you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, that's where, you know, so like in a lot of ways, that was more depressing. Um, but I also think probably what you experience is, is somewhat similar to my perspective, because you've like you said, you've only been doing this this show for like a, a few years now and it's really taken off and like you're, you're like gaining so much traction that it's a very bizarre thing where I've all, I, I've felt this for, for a little while now where I'll like, um, you know, I'm doing what I do. Was, I'm going on whatever you know, go on Rogan show and then Tim Cast uh, with Tim Poole's show and then Patrick Bett David's show or Jimmy Dore's show or just just going over doing these big shows and the overwhelming response is like great, like everyone seems to love this message when I bring it to them, you know, and it's like, it's not my message, it's like the Ron Paul Murray Rothbard message, but it's just they love it and then I'll be doing this and then I'll come back and I hear people, um, you know, like a uh, um, uh, what's this, uh Matt uh eric matt eric uh who used to be jason stapleton's uh uh co-host back then oh erickson matt erickson i i'm sorry i have fucked his name up before i swear i'm not doing that intentionally um but i remember him saying (laughs) uh like a couple years ago a thing where and i hear this from some of the guys in new hampshire too um, where they'll just be like, look, libertarianism has been rejected already, man. It's like the American people don't want what we have to sell. Like they've heard our, our pitch and they don't agree. They don't want freedom. And I'm like, I don't know. I get, maybe we just have a different perspective on this. Cause I feel like I'm selling it and it's selling really well. And then somebody else is going like, you're just selling a product mm-hmm. that can't be sold. And I'm like, but I did 100,000 in sales this month. Like, what do you mean it can't be sold? Like it absolutely can be sold. Here, I'm, <laughs> I'm proof, I'm a case study that it can be sold. And I'm like, I'm good at talking about this stuff, but it's not like anything that's like out of this world. Like there's, I'm, I just know the stuff and I say it in a compelling way, like it can be done. Um, and so I just feel right. like I'm very encouraged by that. And I think that it's, um, we do ourselves a disservice it, when we just get into this kind of like um black pilled pessimistic like mentality of like that that's a given that we can't get way more people over on board this cause um I, I think there's like enormous opportunities enormous opportunities to do it and I think it's yeah. actually happening as we speak. Um, there's also just this tendency of of libertarians and really particularly LP members um to just kind of like you know, as I said before, just almost like, purity spiral out of control like i i feel like um mm. when i go in front of any of these different audiences or any of these different worlds like i'll go talk with like the anti-war leftists and it's just like a great conversation i'm uh, like it's nothing but positive feedback from their audience and i go talk to rogan's audience and not you know just so much enormous positive feedback uh patrick bet david's audience you know the, n- nothing but positive feedback and then it's like i feel like my most controversy is within the libertarian party you know and and you're like but guys like we're all together on this man so like what are we doing we we should not right. be like uh you you're know
0: like, I'm, I'm doing this for you you motherfuckers
1: <laughs> that's always kind of how i've felt like i'm like but i'm the guy who's going on those shows and telling everybody that you're right about everything like what's what's the issue here <laughs> right.
0: so i would well, just i, I, think, I would I encourage think people to try to stay what, away from that yeah. I mean, what you're getting at is like, it's not a reflection of the product. It's a, re- it's a reflection of the salesman. Like if you, if you feel as if everyone you talk to, you can't have any, uh, you can't find any headway. You can't find any common ground. You can't, you can't influence or, or impact them in any way. Well, maybe it's you, man, you know? Cause like, I, almost everybody in my life is now either overtly or at least quasi libertarian, like every single person I know. And that's just because I can't help but, you know, if they ask me about things, I'm going to Slowly impact their worldview, and and it's not it's not force feeding. I'm not shoving it down their throat. I'm not I'm not preaching. I'm not hating them. I'm just I'm just like, hey, you asked me a question. Well, let me tell you what's actually up, <laughs> you know. And, and right. it, if they're if they're open to that, it's usually very impactful. And I feel like I've taken the same approach with my show, and it's been pretty successful. And and obviously, you've had tremendous success doing the same. So yeah, I I think it's a it's a big mistake to just assume because you're struggling to find an audience or you're struggling to influence maybe, you know, one or two people in your life that that means that the product is actually defective. Like human liberty is not defective, folks. I'm sorry. Like if if you think that this message is ultimately what people don't want and and that they've heard it and they don't want it, you're just fucking wrong. I'm sorry. You're wrong. Like people do want to be free. Maybe not everybody. Maybe there's a, a big percentage of people that do in fact want to be enslaved. That's fine. I'm not actually trying to reach them. I'm trying to reach the people that are actually realizing that, as the government takes more and more say and more control over your life and it and it is ultimately to your detriment, hey, I have an answer for you. I have a solution. Those are the people that that I think that we can successfully reach and and many of us are so I don't know I don't want to beat up on people that are are in our space that uh you know have have shifted gone the post libertarian route and all this stuff, but i do I do really think that um uh, much much of our success will come when when the inevitable collapse of a totalitarian system comes about and you know you and malice talk about this a lot, malice in particular because of his book, The White Pill, um, where it's like, well yeah when when communist nations collapsed it's it's very swift. and I think a lot of people struggle to imagine that that the US government is functioning in, in quite a you know communistic fascistic fashion. Uh, but I think that more and more people are starting to realize that. And if that's the case, if my assessment of them is correct, then that means that their, their collapse could be pretty precipitous. Um, I'm curious, have you, have you ever talked to Malice about like what, I mean, and obviously I want your opinion as well, but like, what do you, what do you envision in terms of the, the tipping point? Like, do you guys do either of you? Cause he studied so much, the, the USSR model. I'm just curious if, if. You guys see signs of it like happening here yeah well i
1: think what he what he always tends to focus on um is like it's, it's the mindset of people um and and i think he's basically right about this and so what, what malice says about that is he goes when uh he says when the average person uh regards the the typical corporate journalist in the same way they regard a mm. tobacco executive you know, that that's when you kind of know it's fallen. And and in a lot of ways, that's true. It's not really like an external thing happening. It's a mind state. Like if, if you can just like run this thought experiment for a second, but like if we could snap our fingers and 90 percent of the of the population are anarcho capitalists the same way we are, well, then we live in anarcho-capitalist society. That's it there's no other exactly. thing that even has to happen it's as soon as everyone doesn't believe in this then it's over and it doesn't happen anymore you know I um I think that it's it's gonna I don't know if there's gonna be like an event that will spark it all uh, i I think it's quite possible that it could I think if it happened tomorrow we would all be like well there were a lot of signs of this coming you know um I think that it, <laughs> right, right. you know continuing on this this policy of hiking rates could could prick this bubble at any moment. I don't know. I'm a little bit surprised that they, they've been able to to get them uh, up as high as they have, and it hasn't popped it yet. I don't know exactly when that point is, Same. when the equilibrium is broken, um, but we seem to be going in that direction. It could be something about what what you uh, mentioned earlier, you know, uh, losing the, the kind of... Uh, uh, dollar is the reserve standard, more countries going off of, of the dollar as a as reserve, uh, as their reserve currency, that could end up just sending the money back here and creating kind of like this inflationary downward uh, uh, s- spiral that that could spark it. I don't know. Um, I do agree that this, the, the current system is clearly un- uh, unsustainable. And that we, you know, yeah. let, like, I think our job, I think Ron Paul was right about this. Is that our job is to keep these ideas alive and keep spreading them as much as possible? So whenever the regime is at its weakest, we have a fighting shot of of pushing this thing in our direction. And um and just just to to cherry pick with yeah. and and I agree with you. I'm not like picking on anybody. Um, but just to say that like I think a lot of times people who spend their lives in these libertarian circles, I think one of the things that it's easy to to forget is just how how much the average person has still never heard what we have to say, you know? And, and you can go like test this theory out, like go up to ran- go up to some random person at the gas station and ask him what he thinks of Ron Paul. And the overwhelming likely answer will be who? And if that's not the answer, he'll think you're talking about Rand Paul and not even really know what you mean. You know what I mean? Like it's just, that's that's true most of the time. If you ask someone what they think about monetary policy or their Federal Reserve, most of the time they'll be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Now, today, what's different is if you ask them, you say like, hey, do you think the people in Washington, D.C. are like uh, child raping lizard people? They might be like, sure does seem that way. Sure does seem like they are, you know. And so like we have a great opportunity to like kind of insert our message now. And I think people should focus on doing that at whatever level they can.
0: It will exactly, exactly, and that's what I I constantly encourage my audience to do is like stop biting your tongue in your day to day life. Like yes, okay, maybe you can't maybe you can't get away with it at work because you're working for some you know DEI infused company. Okay, okay, I understand. I first off, I would start a side hustle and I would try and break free of that. But secondarily, like if you're not telling the truth to your friends and family at a minimum. Well, then just your whole life's a lie, man. Like, like you, yeah. not, if you bite your tongue in your personal and your business life, you are just not living in, in the truth at all. And I just don't know how people can can uh, you know live that way. But it, most urgently, we need more and more people to like what I've experienced because I am so outspoken is like when I start talking, whatever I talk to people that are strangers, even it's almost always fertile ground. Like, almost always people are like, yeah, this is all fucked up. Yeah, this system is broken. It's evident that, you know, I go to the grocery store, my bill's twice as high. Uh, you know, my my mortgage rates, uh, I was trying to buy a house, I've been saving, and then they had these fucking lockdowns, I got pushed out of my job because I didn't want to get this jab and then uh, the inflation rates, and then also the, uh, you know, the interest rates on the mortgages have put it out of reach, not to mention the price levels haven't dropped at all. Like, people, people are ripe. For yeah. hearing the actual answers as to why everything is the way it is, I mean, there is there is a an inherent uh, natural desire from human beings to seek truth, and and if there's going to be a, a fertile ground for people that are seeking truth, and all of their leadership is only giving them half truths, well, then it's our job to give them the full picture. And and you know, if you just listen to Vivek or RFK or Trump, I think you're getting you know more more truth than you ever have from political options, but still nowhere near. Uh, the full the full picture so I'm I'm very I'm very optimistic because I think that the the inflection point or kind of the tipping point for the United States Empire is very near and as long as the censorship apparatus is still as uh, porous as it is where like you and I have been able to slip through and many others have been able to slip through like imagine if we're actually going through, either a great depression or the potential for world war three and like you get to go on to joe rogan and talk to 10 million people in or 20 million people it'll probably be by then um in in real time and explain like hey this is what's up this is what's going down that's that's more powerful than fucking you know rachel maddow who's talking to a hundred thousand people per night if she's lucky (laughs) you know yeah so we have a real chance to 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 mold it in real time
1: well, that's that's right, and there's something that's kind of unfortunate about that. But what you're hit, what you hit on is exactly right. I mean, it's like wh- Ron Paul's message really took off in two thousand seven and two thousand eight, and and a big part of this reason was because the war in Iraq was a catastrophe and had been was very clearly just a disaster. And then we had the worst financial uh, uh, crisis in almost a hundred years, um, and that's why his message really resonated then. And where did you see like this exactly. huge spike of energy in our movement in your show? Well, it's during. 2020, because, of course, the government failed at everything, and then we're there to kind of explain why. And so, yes, the the bigger the crisis is, I think that's when you have the most fertile ground to have a huge system and a huge spike in interest. And so I think a lot of what we're doing now is kind of like building that groundwork. You know what I mean? Like, because you need a foundation of like a group of people there who already believe and who have been correct about this stuff. They have a track record now that you can go back and look at and like re- recognize that they're for real. Um, And and to your point, I mean, it's like, it reminds me of what, what Lou Rockwell, he used to say that, um you know, like the bad guys have, um you know, they have the the national police and the military and they have the federal reserve and they have you know the the education system and they have hollywood and they have the corporate press and they have all of these things but we have the truth on our side and that's like our big weapon and the the and and it is a powerful weapon and i i think ultimately it's more powerful than any of that shit and you know it's like the the reason we we can go and spread this message and so many people will be like yeah that makes sense like that really makes sense the way that guy's saying it cuz we're right cuz we're correct about all this stuff and so like that's the that's the powerful weapon that we have and i just think there's um there's something kind of poisonous for the soul when you give up believing um in how important the truth is uh and and so you know i think i think there's going to be enormous opportunity in in the near future and uh i'm still i'm still very optimistic about the liberty movement i think it's crazy i think people too they get you know like i saw someone the other day and it really bummed me out to hear it but it was somebody somebody who i i really like um and they said it would like in result to uh me not running or something they were like i'm not even mad at you it's just i feel like the liberty movement's in shambles and like we're just like this whole thing is is falling apart and i'm it's like look dude there were the libertarian movement was 12 people in murray rothbard's living room like not that long ago that's what this whole thing was and now we've exploded There's fucking... We've got chapters with thousands and thousands of people in every city and every town, in every state of this country. We've got voices like you, Clint, and, you know, like, guys like you and me, Michael Malice, Eric July, Scott Horton, Tom Woods, like, all these guys who have, like, big followings who are just, like, all libertarian guys and just, like, incredible... We have an incredible, like, group of, like, talented people. There's fucking... You know, there's guys like uh, like Keith Knight and Dave DeCamp and people like this who are just like totally brilliant. You know what I mean? Out there like breaking this stuff down. I'm, I'm just, I apologize, I know there's tons of people I'm like leaving off uh, the list, of just like who's popping into my head. But like, we've got this big movement now, man. You know what I mean? And like, that's, that, this is new. This is all brand new. Like it really, none of it existed until Ron Paul ran for president. You know what I mean? Like, I, like okay, there were a few institutions, but like not much, not much of anything. Um, so like, you know, you got to like, kind of take a step back and look at the big picture. And I think, I think we're doing great.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and also realize that much of the corruption that we're now recognizing in the government (laughs) that makes us feel, that makes us feel blackpilled. Well, that's that, that corruption existed decades ago. Like we're just, we're just now understanding it. So this is all, this is all kind of growing pains in, in, in a, uh, uh, an unfortunately necessary process, but uh, let me let me also add one more name to that list of, of great speakers that you mentioned. And I am going to be starting a show with him, Luke Redkowski. He's yeah. he's been uh, you know on TimCast for years. He's been doing We Are Change for years, and he and I are going to be doing uh, an IRL style show from six to eight p.m. Eastern Monday through Thursday in uh, in person, and we're going to fly in guests. And next time you are on Patrick Beck, David, I am going to shamelessly plug and say you got to swing through. All right,
1: one dude, one hundred percent. <laughs> i'll i'll go down there to do your Love show it, and start right, through patrick david's show
0: oh i like it i like it give us give us the primary nod <laughs> all right brother well uh look i i i've already told you what you mean to me and and i i think that uh i know i know personally um you know what a challenging decision that was for you to make um and i think that it's family comes first and that's just the facts and it just doesn't nothing nothing matters if if it's not the right thing for your family and i know that you will continue to uh you know achieve incredible heights when it comes to speaking this message which is what a presidential run would have been about anyways so um i think you're able to do both you're able to put your family first and still focus on on the message which is obviously uh, vitally important given uh, the perilous nature of the times we live in Uh, but i will personally be uh, supporting you to the end of time dave smith thank you so much for joining me brother
1: well, dude, thank you very much. That that really means a lot to me. I love you, dude, and, uh, and I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. If anybody wants to support my work, go to libertylockdown.locals.com. And as you can tell, I'm at Top Lobster Ranch. If you want to support that guy, that lunatic, my tower gang brethren, uh, you can go to toplobster.com and pick up some shirts over there. We will catch you next time. We're out. Peace. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown Please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone But yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from And where did it go